Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher, episode 45. Have you ever had someone say to you, you need to get over that? Have you ever had someone say to you, you need to leave this behind and just get over it and move on? And whatever that is, you can't. You're stuck and you can't quite move on. That's our topic today. We're going to be looking at one of Jesus' disciples. His name was Peter. And this is a narrative that shows us how God works with us when we're stuck. And it's from the Gospel of John, which gospel means good news. So it's like, what's the good news, John? Well, John would say, let me tell you. We're on chapter 21. And it's two weeks after Easter. And Peter is a mess and he's stuck. You know, people are fragile, aren't they? I mean, some people are more resilient than others, but it doesn't really take long in life to get hurt from a young age. You know, you find out maybe someone you love doesn't love you. Or a goal that you, that's really important to you isn't going to happen. Or you face some kind of disappointment or failure or a conflict. It doesn't take long in life to get hurt. And we soon find out that not everyone's trustworthy. And life isn't fair. And bad things do happen to good people. And there are griefs and there are losses and we have to somehow learn how to live with this. And surprisingly, we survive these things. And some of us even grow wiser and more compassionate through the ups and downs of life. And then other people get stuck. You know, they've maybe been knocked down one too many times and they can't recover. And so we meet people that have become cynical and angry and they're defensive. And really, there's no joy. All their light-hearted joy is long, long gone. Because life takes its toll. Well, this is an account of a rescue of sorts. It's about Peter, like I said. And he's stuck because life changed for Peter after his what we've called the denial, the big denial. I mean, really what happened was is that just before Jesus was crucified, just before he was arrested and crucified, Jesus had said to him, you know, when you're under pressure, you're going to say that you don't know me. And Peter said, that will never, ever happen. I don't care who gives up on you. I'll always stand by your side. And Jesus said, no, that's not going to happen. Actually, what's going to happen is, is that before the dawn, before the cockerel crows, when you're put in a position and you're scared and someone asks you, if you know me, you're going to say that you don't. And of course, at that time, he had said to Jesus, so it's never ever going to happen. Well, it did happen. It did happen. And uh, it happened when Peter was standing by a charcoal fire. Someone came up and asked him, do you know this Jesus? He said, no, I don't, never even heard of him. 
Now, what's interesting about the charcoal virus is that this is a second story, and it also takes place, and this is no accident, by the charcoal fire. And it's two weeks after Easter. So it's like two weeks after the resurrection. And I cannot imagine that this particular charcoal fire has any good memories for Peter at all. Because any time he's going to smell the charcoal fire, he's going to remember his denial and his failure. So it's really interesting that this story takes place around a charcoal fire. And it's Jesus who builds the fire. And there is some fish broiling, and it's breakfast time. So there's Jesus. He has the charcoal fire. He has the, f- the fish broiling. He has some bread there. It's like a breakfast picnic. And in the distance, Jesus is on the shore, and in the distance, he sees the disciples out on the boat fishing. And he calls out, the text tells us, that Peter and the others were out fishing, and Jesus shouts from the shoreline, have you caught any fish? Well, apparently they had been out the whole night and they hadn't caught anything, so they're tired and they're hungry. No, they said, we didn't catch anything. And Jesus said from the shoreline, well, cast out your net on the right-hand side. Well, they did. They cast their nets out, and then they pulled the nets back in, and they had so many fish they couldn't even bring them in to the boat. And John sees this and looks at Peter, and he says, that's, that's got to be the Lord. That's got to be Jesus. It's got, and I think what's happening here is, because they don't recognize that Jesus is on the beach, they see that there's a man on the beach, and they might even see that he's got a charcoal fire, but they don't know who he is at this point, which, by the way, happens all the time in these post-resurrection stories. It's never clear. Uh, it's never straightforward. Who Jesus is or when they recognize him, there's always a lot of mystery about the whole thing. John says, that's got to be, that's got to be the Lord. In other words, John sees this massive catch of fish. And I think what's happening is is that he's thinking, this is more than coincidence. You know how we have these experiences sometimes and you think, that's, that's more than a coincidence. There's, there's something more to this. There's, it's, I don't know what it is, but God's in this in some way. So John sees this, all these nets overflowing, and he says to Peter, it's, it's Jesus, it's the Lord. And Peter wants to see for himself, so he puts his uh, clothes on. Yeah, isn't that interesting? He puts his clothes on, <laughs> jumps overboard, swims to the shore, and there on the shore, he sees Jesus standing by the charcoal fire, the broiled fish, the bread, and then the others join them. Nobody says anything. Okay, it's kind of a bit of a mystery here. They have their breakfast. What do they say? Is it a tense, uncomfortable time for Peter? What is he thinking? The last time Peter stood before a charcoal fire was the night that Jesus was arrested. He's got to have these painful memories, right? He's got to have these painful memories. He had been the one 
I'll never ever run away. I'll never ever deny you. And he did. He did. Yeah, it's 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 surprising what you do when you're scared, isn't it? It's easy to compromise. It's easy to compromise when you're scared. It's easy to lie when you're frightened. And he was scared that, you know, Jesus had been arrested. Maybe he'd be next, right? So three times Peter lied. I don't know who he is. And sure enough, the cockerel at dawn crowed. And then Peter remembered, oh, yeah, he told me I would do this. And the passage tells us that he wept bitterly. In other words, Peter, I mean, he completely failed. He did the very thing that he said he'd never, ever do. So really, we have here a story of unfaithfulness. We have a story of betrayal. We have a story about a man compromising. We have a story about a man being scared and allowing fear to direct him. It's a story about failing to be the person that you truly want to be. All these things are going on in this one story. It's about saying something and doing something else. And once it's done, once you've stepped over the line, something inside you dies because you know that you've gone too far. This is where Peter is. It's over. Life will never be the same again. This is Peter's experience. So to say that he regretted it is an understatement because it was one of those moments that when, when you look back and you say, if only I could turn the clock back, if only I, I hadn't said that because I've ruined everything. Because at this point in the story, Peter thinks that the Friendship, the closeness, the intimacy that he once had with Jesus is over because his failure is too great. You see, what's interesting about Peter is, is that he was the right one of the right-hand men and that he was really the one who was commissioned to be the leader. So he was commissioned to be the leader after Jesus left. And of course, after, when Jesus left or when Jesus was died, then... Uh, He's thinking, how could I possibly lead anybody after what I've done? What could, I, what could I possibly do? So he's thinking as he sees Jesus on the beach with this breakfast picnic, whatever's going to happen here, what we once had is gone because there's no way he's going to call me his rock. That was Jesus' name for him. He said, you're my rock, Peter. You're my right-hand man. You're my rock. And Peter's thinking, I'm anything but a rock. I'm anything but. This closeness I had with him is gone forever. And in human terms, uh, it probably is, because in most friendships, a violation of this sort cannot be undone. In fact, in human relationships, it's relatively easy to wreck them, isn't it? You know, you, you get a little bit more leeway in a marriage uh, and in life partnerships because they're more difficult to get out of. But in friendships, oh yeah, they're pretty easy to break. Or family relationships, cousins or aunts, and yeah, 
it's easy to, to mess them up. People at church, people you work with, very easy to wreck relationships. Pretty easy to wreck and destroy a once good solid relationship because relationships are fragile. People are fragile. It's always, always better to not say or do something that you might regret because once the relationship is broken, it usually stays that way. You know, it's, it's kind of a sad thing to say, but they usually stay that way. Or you get the relationship back, but it's not really back to whatever it was before. You sort of limp along, but you never really get the trust back. You never really get the closeness back. So I imagine that this is what Peter's thinking. I let him down. I'm not his rock. I, I can't be his right-hand man. And it's not that Peter doesn't love him. It's not about not loving. It's about not being able to reconcile. And that's two different things. This is not about not loving. It's about not being able to reconcile. This is about not being able to forgive yourself, which is huge, huge life lesson. I mean, it's one thing learning how to forgive others, which is impossibly difficult difficult. I mean, without God's help, it's just impossible. I think it's, it's, it's one thing learning how to forgive others. It's a whole other lesson, learning how to forgive yourself and move on. These are not easy life lessons, are they? So if you've ever experienced anything similar to Peter, you'll know that, you know, this is a terrible burden to carry. The guilt the shame, the humiliation, the utter defeat, whatever happened to courage, whatever happened to inner strength, whatever happened to integrity, whatever happened to loyalty, well, he, he lost it, right? Because he got scared. Yeah, that charcoal fire could not have evoked good memories for Peter, and it was by this fire that Jesus began the conversation with Peter. So there they are, having their breakfast, all the disciples. Jesus asks, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, I love you. He says, good, feed the lambs, feed the lambs. Look after the, look after the followers. Look after the people. And then a second time Jesus said, Simon Peter, do you love me? And Simon Peter, and Peter says, yes, yes, you know, yes, I do love you, I love you. He says, good, good, feed the, feed the sheep, feed the lambs, look after the people, look after the people. And a third time, a third time, Simon, do you love me? And by now, Peter's hurt, the text tells us. Because he doesn't understand what's going on. He's missing it. He's thinking, why is he keeping asking me this? I, he says, yes, I love you. You know everything. And the word know in the original language means to know as in to know deeply that nothing is hidden. Now, isn't this, isn't this an amazing thing? Why would he ask him three times, right? Because he denied him three times. 
Why would he ask him by the charcoal fire? Because the incident happened by the charcoal fire. I mean, Simon Peter needed that threefold affirmation. It's like, you denied me three times, okay? I'm calling you three times. Peter, you're still my shepherd. You're still my rock. You're still my Peter. Look after the lambs. Look after the people. Look after the sheep. You're still, you're still my man. You're still my, my leader. You're still my shepherd. Now look after the people. Peter needed to hear that three times. Now, if 300, it's the three isn't significant. What's significant is, is that if Peter needed 300 times, then Jesus would have kept asking and affirming in 300 different ways. In other words, it's for as long as it takes. It's for as long as it takes. I mean, this is such a picture of grace. This is how God works with us. Because we all have our charcoal fires, right? We all have our places of hurt. We all have our bad memories. We all have our failures, what we call nowadays our triggers, right? Whoa, this reminds me of whatever it is, right? It's by the fire that we're met. And every so often we find ourselves by the fire, right? How do you know you're by the fire? It feels like you're in the fire. Now the fire, the charcoal fire, it's, what, it's going to be different for every one of us. For some, it could be a painful memory. Now for Peter, he has a memory of a broken relationship, something that's lost as far as he's concerned. It's over and it's his fault. For the rest of us, could be something else entirely. You know, maybe it's not a relationship breakdown. By the way, about relationship breakdowns, I think for some relationships, healing comes through not being around a person. Reconciliation looks like you and I need to part our ways. You know, when a relationship depletes your life, always good to question it. When you give more than you get, good to question it. When it's unequal, when it's exhausting, when it's endlessly disappointing. And, and, and for people that you can't avoid completely because sometimes, you know, you just can't. You have to work with them or they're in your extended family or your closer family. Sometimes you just can't. Then we certainly have to guard our hearts, which is the Bible's way of saying have very, very good boundaries. Yeah, we need to question things. You know, I mean, there's high maintenance and then there's high maintenance to the point where it's, it, it's, take, it's stealing your joy and there's something wrong. So the charcoal fire, back to charcoal fire, it may not be a relationship breakdown. It could be a memory, a bad one that keeps returning. It could be a lack of peace within yourself. It could be an unmet goal or... And a, a dream or a desire that you just can't seem to grasp somehow, secure. It could be a grief. It could be a loss of various kinds. It could be a loss of purpose. 
It could be a loss of place or where do I belong? What do I do? It could be a, a loss of belonging. Well, here's the thing about life with God. These hurts arise for healing purposes. Anytime something keeps coming back, it's coming back for a reason. It's coming back for healing. And oftentimes, uh, you've experienced this, I know, healing is always in increments. So it happens over time. We're not alone in those painful places. There's healing here. We're designed to heal, by the way. I mean, we're the whole, our bodies, everything, we're designed to heal. The earth is designed to heal if we don't interfere too much. There's something about us that longs for wholeness and restoration and forgiveness. It's part of the design. There's something in our design that wants peace. We want deep joy. We want contentment. And I think it's safe to say that God wants this for us, you know. God comes to every fire. God comes to every memory, every failure to bring restoration. I mean, the whole idea of that word salvation, the church word salvation, it actually just means wholeness. You know, we talk about being saved or, you know, God is my salvation or some of the old hymns talk about the word salvation. Well, substitute the word wholeness. That's what it means. God wants us complete. So it's like if you feel broken or if you feel fragile like Peter, you're in very good company. Because all the disciples were after Jesus died. Especially his first couple weeks after Easter, God has a unique way to encounter each one of us. I mean, it's like God meets us over and over and over as many times as it takes throughout our life. And God uses many, many things. I mean, there's endless ways that God meets us. God uses people to befriend us. God uses counselors. Uh, sometimes it will be the kindness or a gesture of somebody that you might not know that well, but it really helps you somehow during the day and lifts your spirits and gives you hope. God uses communities, churches to get us on track, or other groups of people. God uses children. Uh, God uses Pets, nature, music, time. There's, oh, there's no end. There's no end to God's creative ways to bring us healing by the charcoal fire. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, this is like Thomas's story from last week. Remember, Jesus went looking specifically for Thomas because he needed, you know, he had his doubts. Jesus went and he targets the doubt. And here with Peter, same pattern. We're always looking for patterns in the scriptures because they show humanity's patterns. Uh, Jesus goes looking for Peter. He has a particular problem, a particular kind of wound. Jesus targets that. When we're lost, God goes looking and finds us. And we're all lost in different ways. One size doesn't fit all, right? We all need different things because we've all had different experiences. And God 
has a way of finding us. Yeah, we don't have to find God. Yeah, so the pressure's off. It's not about you. It's not about me. I love that line when Jesus says uh, somewhere in the New Testament, I don't know where it is, one of the Gospels. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. It's like, it's almost like, don't think that you are smart enough to find me. No, I chose you. So it's like God has a way of finding us. We don't have to find God. God finds us by our own charcoal fire. The place that doesn't hold good memories. You know, if that's not amazing grace, I don't know what is. It's like, what can you say but thank you? There's the heart cry, there's the prayer. Thank you that you come after me. Thank you that you restore me. You know me better than I know myself. Thank you for coming to get me. Yeah. Well, and thank you for joining me. We've been looking at the wisdom of Jesus for the 21st century. Join with me again next week for another episode.